Another trade period is done and dusted and it was a fairly quiet one for the club overall. We're going to recap all the arrivals and departures and get our heads around the media hysteria that surrounded the Hawks, plus a look at our best 22 for 2022 and lots of listener questions. So let's get down to business. Welcome to the Hawk Talk podcast for this trade period recap. My name is Nick Mason and tis, the silly season has come to a close. And what did you make of Hawthorne's trade period? Mate, we're only halfway through the silly season. We can still trade picks. You know, anything could happen right now. It's so exciting, isn't it, Nick? It's almost as exciting as the whole of trade, whatever, how many days that was. Was it a month? Something like that. Uh, Whatever happened, I think Hawthorne did okay. I mean, we were trying to flog everyone over the age of 26, but, um, you know, we got rid of a couple. It's not all bad. (laughs) Well, I'm just lamenting the fact that the club is fractured irreparably forever it's it's done uh there's so much bad blood in the club now no one wants to leave but there's so much bad blood apparently we're looking at getting a used car salesman onto the board because um, <laughs> obviously that is something we need I, I just i couldn't believe the hypocrisy i mean you know trade radio is bad at the best of times but the, the kind of contradictory stuff the dross that was coming out about how hawthorne need to be bold but not like that tis not like that not too bold, like not obviously bold, like don't be so bold about being bold, just sort of on the sly, let everyone know that everyone's available, but don't call anyone or ask whether they might want them or, and certainly don't let Sam do it, like that'd be bad, don't let him be honest and open with the players because that'll fracture the relationship, no, you've got you to hide everything, suppress your goals and don't let anyone else know what you're doing especially the person you're doing it to that's the best best policy here are my recommendations and anyway i'm going to talk about that for a few minutes and then you can hear about ream some more about ream (laughs) yeah it comes on steady hot and strong did you know you just keep on and on (laughs) they just keep on and on i i'm relieved that yeah while the silly season you're right it, it continues on in some form or another i'm so glad we don't have to put up with trade radio anymore anyway that's done what we didn't get any compensation for Timmy O'Brien. Um, we see Jonathan Segler leave. We replace him with a much younger Ruckman, which is something I'm very excited about. Two young rucks. The new sitcom, Two Young Rucks, coming to NBC Mondays. <laughs> but we haven't really ever dominated the Ruck, Hawthorne. Uh, it's not been an element of the premierships. So this will be very, very interesting, and I'm excited for it. And if we can get some ruck work going our way, we have the midfielders to do some damage. Well, long-time listeners of the podcast will know that as far as I'm concerned, and, and this is not in the Chris Scott sense of the, of the phrase, mission accomplished, because I've been hanging out for a skid ruck. That was my goal for this year, is to end up in the off-season and recruit a ruck in, in some way, shape or form. We've done that. And, uh, you know, it was a quiet trade period, but I I categorise it as a successful one. And what do you think of Max Lynch? Our very own Max. What are we expecting? 
We saw him play against, you know, that other Max. He's quite good. And Max Lynch did very well against him. It was quite an impressive performance, and it, everyone sort of pricked their ears up. Who's this Lynch fella? And Brody wasn't in the lineup that week. So do you think he leapfrogs Reeves, however difficult that may be physically? Uh, <laughs> is he in the first 22? I know they're coming up later, and obviously I'm pretty bo- bullish about my 22. I reckon it beats yours by about five goals. But uh, <laughs> what do you think Max is going to do? Is he in the lineup? or? Well, what I do know is there's now some healthy competition in terms of forging a path for the future. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really in- interesting to see. Look, there's a very small sample size with Max Lynch. I think he's played three senior games total. But what I do like is that Sam Mitchell would be exactly the guy who's had a great look at this kid. And uh, I reckon they've scouted scouted him pretty well. I mean, they would have played against him at some point, Box Hill. In fact, they did. I think Segler went head-to-head with Lynch. Oh, there you go. I wonder who won the day. I just remember Segler dominating at VFL level for much of the year, and that's why... He- you know, when he was playing, he just looked much better than everyone else out there, which is why he got recalled. And now he's at Geelong, obviously part of their recruiting, above 30s, um, really fits in well down there. Smithy had been in his ear all year to get him on, on board down at the Cattery, so uh, there's another black mark next to that name. Um, what else? <laughs> A little less chatty during the final series, though, I, I bet. <laughs> and, uh, well, let's let's just have a summary Okay. Of what went out and what we got back. All right, let's do that. Tim O'Brien, of course, joined the Western Bulldogs as an unrestricted free agent. So bye-bye to Tim O'Brien. We got zero compo for him. Uh, eight years of you know highs, lows, a spectacular mark that frankly should have gone rewarded. But then would it really be Tim O'Brien if it wasn't almost rewarded? Anyway, we move on. Thanks, Timmy. Uh, Hawthorne also traded, as you mentioned, Jonathan Segler, and a future round four selection to the Cats. In return, we received a future round three selection tied to Brisbane. Now, that was actually pretty pivotal in the end in getting Max Lynch across because what happened was we took that future round three selection tied to Brisbane, we packaged it up with our own future round three selection, and we sent that over to Collingwood. And in return, of course, we did get Max Lynch, we got a future round three selection tied to Frio, and a future round four selection tied to the Suns. So it was all that crystal clear? Have we all kept up with that? In summary, Segler out, Tim O'Brien out, Max Lynch in, future third round selection tied to Fremantle, and a future round four selection tied to the Suns. That's it. That's what we hold. Look, they could come in handy. You just never know how things are going to play out. Added to this, uh, Ollie Hanrahan has been delisted by Hawthorne, and uh, although they tried to get him to a club that wanted him over the period... Um, no one was forthcoming, and they'll, if they're going to pick him up, they'll do it after this. Um, I, we've heard St Kilda and Geelong, and who else is uh, looking at Ollie? At one time, the Suns, and I've since heard GWS. So, look, he's got some suitors, allegedly. Like, I don't think he'll have that much trouble finding a new home, by the sounds of it. Yeah, I thought he did some good things in the midfield for uh, the VFL comp later in the year, and... I hope I wish him all the best. Uh, also, Callow and Saunders have signed one-year year contracts, so I'm very pleased to see them hanging around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they could take some inspiration from one Dylan Moore. What do you do when you've got a one-year rookie deal? That's that's the guy you got to turn to because he knows how to make the most of it. Does Dylan Moore? Yeah, 
every game's your last, was what he said. And 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 as I was doing the the team next year, he becomes very very pivotal in uh, in our performances. It's uh, you know he can just do so many things for us and change the look of our side depending on where we pop in. Um, but it's a lot of changes, Nick. It's, there's a lot of change at Hawthorne already. Not quite as much as, say, uh, North Melbourne last year, which I'm thankful for. Don't want to be quite on the same level as that mob. But, uh, yeah, look, in terms of departures, all told, we've bid farewell to the following guys. Obviously, we mentioned Hanrahan, uh, Burgoyne's retirement, Segler and O'Brien have left, Cousins, Hartley, Greaves, Brooksby and Pepper, those five guys delisted. So... Yeah, we do have a fair bit of change, a number of list spots, and a number of draft picks as well. Our draft order is 5, 21, 24, 59, 65, and 81. And the supplementaries, Tiz? No, of course, I tease. Oh, well, the supplementaries are a little Irish lad called Finn, so we're going to have three Finns running around at Hawthorne. I've got the collective noun locked and loaded already, Tiz. <laughs> What's that going to be? A school, of course. Oh, Right. Yeah. Oh, good. That's excellent. <laughs> Give it a bit more than that. <laughs> so we got Finn McGuinness, Finn O'Hara, with an O in the middle of the Finn, and well, we're hoping Finn Callahan, if, if at all possible. Yeah, people would have been confused by that, but that pick five, and and we're angling to move. Angling, that. good, good, very good. Would you trade pick five <laughs> and pick twenty four? To get pick two from GWS, which would mean definitely we'd have the pick of Finn Callahan, and uh, he seems to be exactly what they're angling for, as you as you rightfully underline. <laughs> yeah, we've heard uh, heard a bit of chatter that that's what they're trying to do. I think you can expect Hawthorne behind the scenes to be very busy with their picks at the moment and doing anything they can to improve their hands, which you know that's what you'd hope for as a supporter at this point, wouldn't you? Yeah, so there's four other clubs that could get a pick on uh, Finn before us, and uh, that's that's the message, and we want, to, we want to be pick two, which probably ends up being pick three or pick four, but, you know, these are all indicative, aren't they, Nick? Don't you love that? Well, well here's the question from uh, Appleby Creative. Would, would you do it? effectively would you trade pick five and say pick 24 for pick two from gws would you personally do it tis if you were holding the reins i think if you're that set on a player you can do that um i don't see in the statistics anything to suggest that you know uh, having two picks in the first 25 uh is better than just having one in the first five so um you know maybe you'd want two two choices and uh anyway look it's one of those competition uh, it's one of those years where there's a lot of kids that haven't had a lot of exposure we've said this before you can pick them from nowhere they can turn out to be really good uh you know there's a lot of murkiness in form lines and injury lines and, and things like that and that's why tyler sonsi could go much later than he ought to and and, and things like that and hawthorne have good eyes on him <laughs> They know what he can do. He was quite impressive when we went to see him, so I'm hoping we look at someone like that. But we do need speed, and I trust Mitchell knows what he's after. But uh, at the same time, I'm looking at the listed free agents, and I'm thinking, oh, no, Jack Loney, he looks like the best pressure forward available at the moment. 
we have a question on delisted free agents coming up a bit later. But uh, right now, this one from Dan. Uh, do you think the goal for this trade period may have been to restore true value in Hawthorne trading? Previously, we paid overs for talent, C.O. Mira and Wingard, paid top dollar contracts for damaged goods, Vickery, Scully and Patton, and we let stars go for unders, Hill, Lewis and Smith. Yeah, I'm not sure about Lewis, but uh, Hill, certainly, that looks dreadful and worse every day. Uh, Smithy just didn't want to stay. Um, you know, Amira and Wingard, we moved heaven and earth to get those guys across. And, yeah, damaged goods. Well, less said about that, the better. But I'm glad they're being more, you know, forthright in, uh, you know, the, Hawthorne's a brand and you don't go flogging players for any old price. They've still got good value, Amira and Tom Mitchell. And, gee whiz, name me a top eight team that doesn't become a premiership hopeful even expecting a premiership if Amira or Tom Mitchell arrives at the club. And that's why Hawthorne ought to be commended for how they went about this trade period because, yeah, you can put names on the table, but you don't let them go for some absurd deal that doesn't benefit us because, frankly, and the club would understand this, as you point out, like they're, they're worth these players to other teams right now that are contending is astronomical. You plug Tom Mitchell into Richmond and suddenly they're automatically in the conversation again as a very real force. But not only that, consider their importance, the likes of Wingard and Bruce, Mitchell O'Meara, to our club. Like, they are essential. And I know we're sort of moving into uh, our best 22 in 22 in a sec, but uh, that that's the point. So you've got a number of guys that are just walk-up starts you don't let them go cheap. You don't be ridiculous about it, which is, I feel like, what the media was kind of egging us on to do. And, of course, our salary cap is fine. Uh, we have plenty of room. So we could have made bids and paid off other people's salaries and stuff like that, but, you know, we've, we're quite conserv- conservative financially, and that's why we haven't ended up in a blow-up like Collingwood and a couple of other clubs looking like Sydney who've had to let go of good players who deserve more money. We've got a couple of questions here. Uh, Jacob, current best 22, assuming everyone is fully fit and no draftees. And this follow-up one from Mitch, what do you think our best back six looks like for next season? And that's the perfect transition to talk about our respective best 22 sides for Hawthorne in 2022. All right, you go with your your 22. Yeah, you're so confident that your team will beat mine by a few goals. Not just win, but... Holds, holds pretty good command over them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, here we go. Starting from the back line, deep in defence, we've got Blake Hardwick, Kyle Hardigan, and Sam Frost. Half back line, Jack Scrimshaw, James Sicily makes his long-awaited return, and Changwath Jeath. And through the centre, I've got Will Day on one of the wings, Tom Mitchell, and Jarman Impey on the other wing. And the half forward line, Chad Wingard, Mitch Lewis, Jack Gunston, who uh, we just heard, we got an update from the club that he's tracking pretty well. So that's promising, heading into the preseason. Uh, and deep in the forward line, we've got Dylan Moore, Jacob Kaczynski, and Luke Bruce. Our followers, Ned Reeves, James Warple, Jager O'Meara, and on the interchange bench, Ben McAvoy, Jai Newcomb, Tyler Brockman, and Lockie Bramble. Yeah, there's some quite large names missing from that lineup there, Nick. Uh, Go on, hit me with your best shot. Come on. Uh, How? He's not there. The tax ban. Hold on, I thought you said big names. Oh, you're referring to you're referring to him being a bigger body midfielder. Is that it? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Shields isn't there. Yes, no, that that's true. Shields isn't there. 
it's a rough omission. Uh, if I could justify it, to just take a second to explain myself. Uh, look, he is Hawthorne's tackling machine. That's long been the case. But I think we know by now who's going to take that mantle. And there's no sense in delaying his development. It's John Newcomb. If Hawthorne's to make strides in this rebuild, you've got to prioritise his development and get him in the team. And that's why I'm prioritising Jai over Shields in this instance. And, of course, there's no Connor Nash, which is uh, fundamentally disappointing and why this team loses. <laughs> now, Medical sub, mate. Medical sub. Where's Tommy? Where's Tom Phillips? Oh, look, you, you know I've never been a massive fan of Tom Phillips. Every, ever since he arrived at the club, he just didn't set my world on fire, anything he did, but... Look, I think the primary reason I cut him from my best 22 is I can identify at least three players that can run through the wing, and one of which, and this is key here, we mentioned him before, it's Dylan Moore. You can move him up the ground and you can play him as a gut-running wingman because he's got the endurance, we know that, and that leaves a spot up forward, and that's where I think Tyler Brockman earns his spot on the team. That's where he comes in, he retains that balance of providing a, a smaller forward and a smidge of X factor that the team desperately needs as well. Yeah, I, I like that you've found a spot for Brockman. I don't think I could have done that with the talent on offer. Can I just issue a disclaimer? This was difficult. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that yeah. is a good problem for us to have, and it's certainly a good problem for Mitchell to have because, I look, I didn't really want to leave out Nash. I didn't want to leave out Howe. I was pained to leave out Liam Shields. Tom Phillips felt harsh. So, look, these are good problems. The other thing is... That where we really fall down, which is in in the midfield, they all name themselves Warple, O'Meara, Mitchell. So you've really got to change that up. And I'm looking forward to seeing Sammy give Warple another position because I think he should be in the midfield, but perhaps not for the whole game. We need to have a far more interchangeable midfield contingent. I think that's clear from how football's been played in the last last five years. Yeah, that that's true. There's there's only a, a few blokes I can think of that kind of just hold their position and that's it. That's the end of the conversation. And I'm thinking straight off the top of my head, Kyle Hardigan, not only is he straight in the team, and that's not even a question for mine, he's remaining at fullback and that's it. Because he's such an important role player, I wouldn't categorize him as a chess piece or a utility that you just move around willy-nilly. He's just not that guy. But yeah, he gets names and there's no question. The bloke I had the most trouble with was Scrimshaw because when Day and Sicily come back into the team, I feel like Scrimshaw, you know, uh, can he move up into midfield? And if he can and be an attacking wingman or just using that rapier-like passing of his along with Sicily and Day, and I just like the speed of Lockie Bramble off the halfback line. Anyway, I better, I better name the team. Yeah, go on. So, go for your best 22. Very similar back line to yours. Frost, Hardigan, Hardwick, Day, Sicily, Bramble. And then my centre line is Scrimshaw, Mitchell, Phillips, half forwards, Wingard, Lewis, Gunston, full forwards, Bruce, Kaczynski, Moore. The followers are McAvoy, O'Meara and Warple, which is pretty much what you'd expect and, and how we've been tracking for a few years. And then the interchange, GF, Shields, Nash and Lynch. Okay, so interesting... You've left Howe out of the side after having a go at me about that. Yeah, well, it, it was difficult because I want a fast wingman and also I, I appreciate how good he is behind the ball, but I feel now that Sisley's there, that changes that balance. Um, and my injury sub is Newcomb, who really will push his way into this lineup for somebody. Um, but, you know, you have to make those calls. And I, and I yeah, 
I reckon pretty much if I were, you know, coaching against your mob, I'd probably put James Sisley forward to play on James Sisley. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he'd obviously have a breakdown there, get angry at himself. Uh, <laughs> Take himself out of the game. <laughs> Both get reported for six weeks. <laughs> uh, anyway. It'd be good to have Sis back, won't it? That kind of leadership and that bravado and uh, oh, it's good to see. You take a look at my 22, you can see there's quite an emphasis on attacking flair there. My team is looking to slingshot the ball as quickly as possible through the likes of CJ, Frost, or you could have booming kicks from Scrimshaw or Sicily. Uh, I'm looking to whisk the ball as quickly as possible. Well, to be honest, the fact that DGB isn't in this lineup is wrong, makes the lineup wrong. So I reckon they'll be paying DGB and Sicily as loose men in defence, and you'll be robbing a forward. Uh, so one of the forwards I've named doesn't make it into the lineup, and it's probably Nash. They'll take Nash out, bring DGB in, and what that does then is you're running through with less midfielders, and I don't really like that either, so... Maybe it's a maybe it's a key forward that makes way. It's it's there's some fascinating stuff there, but the key is there's some competition for spots again. Yeah, well, I'm glad you raised DGB because I, I know that you would have had him in mind. I did as well, and uh, that's just a, a little bonus off to the side that he doesn't make this team. Uh, I think he'll get his chance, and he could solidify a spot in time over the season 2022 for sure. And it's just another layer of depth that we have. And then you've got a guy like Emerson Jacker who, if he recaptures his form, uh, and, you know, with question marks still on Gunston, we know that he's tracking well. Uh, we heard that from the club. But I still, you know, I find it ambiguous as to whether he's going to recapture his best. The club would certainly be hoping that he can, but we, we just don't know. So then you've got Emerson Jacker pushing for a spot as well. And then, you know, what what kind of dimension does someone like Jackson Callow add to this side um do you do even have him as like an understudy for Hardigan potentially I think you have to push him back to see what he's like there I think he's got the um the body presence to be able to do that and I also think we're a little light on for Hardigan's position that's what I'm talking about yeah and and Callow is a really big body and famously a strong contested grab um, so I think he could compete well as a defender. But look, we're, we're just spitballing here. Um, I don't know if your team would beat mine by a few goals. I think it'd be a good game. Be good to watch. I'd love to watch it. Anyway, um, I think they just give DGB carte blanche and say, look, we're going to put this many games into you this year. This is the aim. And, uh, you know, we're going to fast track you. I think that's what's got to happen with a team that, didn't perform so well last year. I think you have to make those commitments to younger players with talent. Well, whichever way you look at it, a lot of change is afoot. And uh, I think that is the perfect transition to our next topic, wouldn't you say, Tiz? Oh, yes. Board battles. Let me just, uh, well, I better have a Coke or a coffee and keep me awake through this. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> we got a question from our longtime listener, Danny. Uh, what are your individual thoughts and opinions on the Kennet slash Hawks for Change situation? The battle for the board has begun, Tiz. And I'm just going to get everyone up to speed on this issue. A little over a week ago, you might have seen The Age reported that the just-retired head of Australian Super, Ian Silk, and well-known former Hawthorne player and ex-board member Andy Gowers would nominate and challenge Jeff Kennett's two preferred candidates for the club's board. Your first reaction upon hearing this news, Tiz? 
Well, the first question was why and why now? <laughs> Fair enough. What have you come up with? Uh, the why seems to be that they're jeffed about Jeff, <laughs> and the why now isn't really apparent because even if they do beat Simon Taylor and Shearer to the jobs on the board, um, it's not clear that they can depose Kennett anyway, and he'll be leaving in a couple of years, or perhaps earlier, because apparently he can't seem to remember when his tenure ends and when he's interviewed. So <laughs> That's right, he was a little bit confused, wasn't he? Doesn't really augur well, but anyway. Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, look, the timing is curious, isn't it? Are they trying to mitigate the, the damage that they predict Kennett could do in that time? They're just trying to shuffle in early. To, to try and get ahead of it. I don't know. Well, you know, is there any legitimate damage he's done to the club? I don't know. But there have <laughs> been some on. tough times with Jeff at the helm. That's <laughs> oh, big of you to admit that. Tis well done. The KCC still, you know, we're still wondering what's happening there. But in terms of candidates, we're very lucky to have people wanting to lead the club. It wasn't that long ago that the club sort of went begging to Jeff, going, could you please come back? Uh, we need some leadership here. And that's what happened. The board approached him and, you know, maybe that's sort of giving him licence. But, uh, you know, it's, it's good to have someone go, hey, Jeff, you're not up to muster. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to take, take this off your hands and we need better leadership and we've got to make Hawthorne better than it is. But at the moment, all it seems to be is a... You know, do you like Jeff or don't you like Jeff? And there's no real substance to the candidates, as far as I can see, of things that they would like to change. And it's very much the old federal and state election procedures of uh, personality contests. And, uh, you know, he's like this and I'm not like him. Um, (laughs) That's it. Uh, Look, maybe. You might be right. Uh, What I would say is it's early days in the campaign uh, for this well-connected but independent uh, group of Hawthorne supporters, reports The Age, who are alleged to want to loosen Kennett's grip on the board and the footy club. The group, Hawks for Change, are concerned with the direction that the club is taking and wish to make Hawthorne a club, quote, that genuinely represents the views and values of members and supporters. The group also states its aims to build a community club, a democratic club, and a successful club on and off the footy field, which personally it is, is something I can get behind. Uh, yes, I, I usually find myself supporting generic statements too. Um, <laughs> now, what we do have to say is that there are some very powerful people already at the club who are pushing some of this stuff. And a lot of that is the Past Players Association are unhappy. There's members of that looking for change. A um, couple of the coterie groups, certainly smaller membership groups, haven't been happy with how they've been treated over the period. And let's face it, it's been tough for a lot of clubs. But, um, yeah, there's been a lack of access. A lot of individual members are unhappy too with uh, how they handled all the seating arrangements and the membership costs and sometimes how they were billed as well. Also the timing of things like the membership cards, that was ridiculous. You know, from little things... You know, little things that go wrong suddenly appear bigger and it just snowballed after a while. And, you know, the team doesn't do too well. It sort of makes it, well, it underlines it again. And you do. You do start to wonder, you know, when is this Kennedy Centre going to get up and running? Because that is the next, we're not a destination club at the moment. As soon as that's built and we're relocated 
for, what is it, the fifth time in the last 50 years, right? Because that's what we do. We take risks like that and we're better for it. The design is done. We're ready to build. I understand there's, you know, all this financial COVID stuff, but... That is the next big step to making Hawthorne better than it ever was. So this is where we find ourselves. Who is this group? What is this board that is going to take us forward the best way possible? Because we've got this group here now, uh, Hawks for Change, that have a different idea about two particular vacancies on the board that could be filled. Jeff's got his own ideas, but Hawks for Change, they've thrown their support behind Silk and Gowers. I thought what we might do is take a look now at these key figures, the four guys, uh, first, in the case of Tim Shearer, uh, he's already on the board. He joined the board three years ago, and he headed up the Hawthorne Foundation. Now, one of our sources, Tiz, alleges that Shearer's efforts to date have actually enabled the Hawks to reach roughly 30 mil already on the Kennedy Community Centre without really pushing it publicly just yet. He's got a very good network, very very talented at raising public funds. Um, and I think 20 million of that is from Jeff Harris as well. So... You know they're they're well on their way to doing that, and so so I think he's done well there. But uh, you know it's old college network that one. Well, I was going to say it's true to form. He had a successful stint at Scotch College as the director of development. He raised tens of millions of dollars for various projects and programs there. So you think about where Jeff's coming from. He views Shearer as essential to the to the club's long term success and indeed the development of the Kennedy Community Centre, and that'd be why he's so keen for his reappointment. Now, the other guy that Jeff has in mind you'd be familiar with, Hawks fans would be familiar with, Simon Taylor. He's in line to fill the position vacated by Radek Sali, who is uh, initially appointed to generate either new revenue or capital gains for the club or both. His CV includes being a director at PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, he was. He actually returned there. He had a, a five years there previously, and now he's a director at PwC, uh, head of financial crime at NAB, which uh, it doesn't sound great, but I, I hear it's above board. Not as fun as it sounds, Nick. Uh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Commercial manager at Crown Bet as well, and uh, love the game, not the odds, Tiz. So uh, is that the is that the AFL sponsor, the chief AFL sponsor, Crown Bet, or is that another? I can't. I can never keep up with which betting agencies the chief sponsor for the AFL, but, you know, that, that, that augurs well for uh, the James Morrisseys of the, of the Hawthorne supporting public. Uh, let, let's just leave that one there for now. Uh, <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, outgoing head of Australian Super Ian Silk is the first of the challenges. He's been touted as industry super fund sector's most prominent executive, and he's presided over a... Uh, well, an enormous growth, really. $21 billion to more than $220 billion in assets under management. Uh, he's doubled the membership from 2.4 million members. He's grown its workforce from 50 to 1,000 employees under his tenure. Obviously, outstanding success in the field, Tiz. Super Silk, that's what we're looking at here. Burgers, leaves, Super Silk comes in. <laughs> Could be fun. And uh, Andy Gowers, we're familiar with, of course, too. A premiership player in 91, served as footy director on the board from 2013 until 2017, so a bit of success in his time. Uh, he replaced initially uh, Jason Dunstall and then was replaced himself by Richie Vandenberg, who still serves on the board today. His professional experience spans 27 years. We've got business development, public relations, marketing consulting, financial and business advice. So there's the tale of the tape, if you like, Tiz. There, there's the, uh, the two-on-two that we're looking at. One of my favourites from uh, my childhood, Andy Gowers, 
loved the 16 on his back and uh, the long sleeves. And I was a little disappointed when he left the board those years ago. We were at that AGM um, and I couldn't understand why he was moving on. But um, Richie Vandenberg's done very well in this position. And, you know, do, do uh, there's a lot of, we haven't mentioned it yet, but of course the Clarko dismissal. He leaves the club and all this happens. We've had Gary Ayres come out in support of some change as well. And yeah. So what do we take from this as as Hawk supporters? That we're in a good position, basically. If if we're going to be a great club, we need to have competition for leading our club, right? And this is only healthy. This shouldn't be viewed as a threat. It should be viewed as healthy competition that we expect in all forms of of life. This is something that most clubs don't have, right? They don't have they don't have this kind of stuff going on. Collingwood's having it going on because they've got a complete power vacuum. Hawthorne's having it going on because they've they've made some risky decisions and they've got an outspoken president, one of the few that many people can name. Any of the presidents in the AFL, you know, who are they? Eddie was one, no longer there. You know, I think it's good that we have that kind of presence, but we also haven't had the democracy that would enable us to have a better control over our club. So this is this is the opportunity for the fans to actually have a say. But we don't just want a protest vote, Nick, on a on a personal referendum. So I want to know what they want to change. Change is good. Change is fine. But what are you changing, and, and why? And Andy Gowers has been there before, so he must know what the challenges are, and he should be replete in in letting us know what he wants to do. Well, as I said, it's early days for the Hawks for Change campaign, and as that rolls out, it's it's gonna we're gonna move away from this ambiguity about what they actually want to do. That's gonna become a bit more obvious. Um, so I look forward to that becoming more apparent because I'm interested as well. I'm interested on the basis of, I believe, in members having a voice. And anyone who's listened to this podcast for a fair fair deal of time knows that I'm all about that. And I've kind of been miffed at the idea of, you know, Jeff giving himself another three years and then Reeves suddenly gets another five years. And- oh, yeah, he's, he's absolutely created the environment for the challenge. Let's put that out there. <laughs> he's definitely created the problems. So... Yeah, democratically answerable. I just feel like there should be more of a democracy. And, you know, and and something I also said, I can't remember when, because obviously we do talk a lot about Jeff. Um, But at some point in maybe the last couple of years, I did say on the podcast that I wouldn't mind his leadership having a little bit of a scare. I, I want him to feel a little bit vulnerable. You mean accountable, and that's what we want from all of them. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, I, I suppose so, yes. I, I want him to feel like he's not um, absolutely unstoppable in his reign <laughs> at the top, basically. Yeah, that's how the persona comes across sometimes, doesn't it? It really is... Uh... Well, it, well, it certainly does, and, you know, he, he has enough... It, I think it's one thing to have gaffes, but so many of his have been so avoidable and the latest of which was during the trade period you know this idea of saying to members you know you should be on the lookout for some surprises maybe like you just don't need to say that i know that was and and then every sponsor got a mention as well and you're like okay jeffrey um as i tweeted at the time is the equivalent of like the chief of a fire department saying hey we're here and there might be fires you just never know 
Well, Jeff, it sounds like there's going to be some fires, mate. No, no, I'm just saying, just just be aware. <laughs> it sounds like you're lighting a fire right now, Jeff. <laughs> like, just it doesn't need to be said. You're just you're going to stir the media up, who don't need any provocation as it is. They're going to do whatever they want anyway. They're going to say whatever they like, and it's no, there's no strategic advantage in saying something like that. And I just feel like that's a common thread in Jeff's public persona as president. Uh, look, he he clearly can steer a ship and steer it well. The club is healthy, so he's doing something right. But his public persona as president is absolutely infuriating, and I want people to have a voice on something like that. Yeah, like uh, you know, some things frustrate me. The lack of, um, I mean, what you're talking about is the ultimate engagement, democratic engagement with the club. But uh, the fan engagement across the journey of the last five years has been kind of poor and, and got worse as the results on field got worse. We've missed out on family days and stuff like that. And, you know, there's been all kinds of event stuff-ups. But, um, you know, I think they need to engage in more high-tech. They need to come up with better solutions. Stuff overseas is happening with clubs that we could definitely be engaging with. That kind of stuff. The only thing I want out of all of this always, because I just think about, you know, I'm still damaged from 96. So, <laughs> and, and that should always hang in the back of Hawthorne supporters' minds because it was a lesson to us that no matter how successful we were, um, financially we just, we weren't doing our bit, basically, and, and we were badly administered. So we never want that again. But the other thing is we don't want to be puppeted by the AFL and that that's always been at the top of the list for a lot of Hawthorne supporters and we want to maintain that and I think we can and I think having this kind of challenge for the board is better and and should be appreciated for people trying to better the club and not viewed as a threat. I agree. Um, and it comes down to respecting the members as well. I mean, we hear so much about how our support is valued, particularly over the last couple of years. Well, honour that. Yeah, Melbourne Storm did. That was really good. <laughs> a free membership for a whole year. That sounds pretty nice. Well, it, it does sound very nice. I don't know if it's realistic in the case of Hawthorne. Not increasing the membership cost by an unappreciable amount and then not sort of making it clear in the documentation. But anyway, it's uh, it's fine. Yeah. No, 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 no. You bring up a good point. That's exactly what's happened. But it's a, it's a matter of not just saying, all right, well, Tim, Simon, they're going to be on the board. Well, hang on a sec. I play my part. I don't care how small it is. I play my part as a member in, in making this club what it is. I help keep it afloat. And all to, we all do together. So we should be consulted on that. And uh, I, I, for one, I want that voice. I think that we deserve that voice. And what, regardless of whether you're aligned with uh, Tim and Simon as the candidates or Ian and Andy, regardless of if you're pro-Jeff, anti-Jeff, or if you're pro-Hawks for Change or anti-Hawks for Change, a voice is a good thing and we all deserve it. And we should take this very seriously when the time comes. And use it well. Use it well, do your research, and uh, wherever you end up with that, that's fine. Because this, this club... This club means a lot to many people. And, uh, you know, this is where most people find sanctuary from... Well, we did, didn't we? Last two years, it's been 
even in, if the results haven't been too great, it has been wonderful to have it. Exactly right. And that flows right through to the podcast as well. It's what we do here. It's been an enormous thing. Uh, just for the record, we, we did run a poll on our <laughs> uh, Twitter page. 663 votes in our poll, uh, 85.7% aligned with Hawks for Change over the status quo, which, you know, I, I, we have a bigger community than, ju- than just that, obviously. I don't know if that's representative, but I did find that curious. I mean... Status quo, don't have the best catalogs. So. <laughs> I was sure not to capitalise both the S and Q. <laughs> At 14.3%, support for the status quo is down, down. <laughs> <laughs> so when does, when does this uh, theatre end, Nick? Oh, look, and it is, there is a bit of theatre to it. The media will make sure of that. Uh, I imagine that this story continues to gain traction and builds towards the AGM, which is in... Early December, the, the date eludes me off the top of my head. But uh, look, it seems very likely that you'll get your say, uh, listeners, members. Um, so yeah, take it seriously, regardless of which side you're on. Uh, me talking about my frustrations with Jeff before, I have a responsibility to be very careful to not let that cloud my judgment because there's a lot at stake. He might be frustrating, but do I feel that he's doing good work besides that? Do I feel that that his board, that he leads, are meeting their goals? Is the future in good hands? Could it be in better hands? Yeah, well, I mean, it can always look better, can't it? But, I, you know, I get tremendously frustrated, as I've said, with some, some of the tech stuff that they find unable to do, but then their hands are tied with agreements with Telstra and AFL. I would love to have a Democratic vote on the AFL board. That would be that would be fun. That would be incredible. Never going to happen, but one can dream. Yeah, never going to happen because we'd probably get Eddie. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> oh, all right. Well, that's done. That's dusted for now at least. I, I trust we're going to be returning to this issue as the weeks go on, as we head towards the AGM. But it's time to move on now to miscellaneous listener questions. Uh, Stewie Bro, what's the latest on Dingley? How much do I need to tip oh in the Oh my God, kitty? we're back here again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is the latest with Dingley? Well, it'd be nice to know, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't understand why they don't just put up a... A cam, we can watch the construction happen live. Oh, right. So it becomes kind of like the, um, what is it? The, the Is it the Falcons? Knowing our luck, there'd be something nest. Everyone would be like, oh, my God, that's so cute. You can't do any more construction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing cameras like the, the penguins down at Phillip Island as well, something to that, to that effect. A 24-7 dingley watch dingley cam yeah how much he, he asks uh stewie bro does he need to tip into the kitty to make it happen well yeah well if you've got a few mil down the side of the couch or something now would be the time well I, you know why didn't the dare to be different committee go and buy bitcoin about 2010 you know, just, <laughs> why didn't they invest in zoom we could have bought the afl entirely now uh <laughs> on to on to aiden if you choose one delisted free agent besides Brander, who I'm dead set keen on, and Constable, who I think you have questions about, but he's a nice size for, for a midfielder, you know, you'd, you'd have a look, Charlie Constable. I'd have a look and then I'd move on because Hawthorne doesn't need his particular type right now. Who would you choose beyond those guys? And I think Loney's in the picture. 
I think Nick was big fan of Mason Cox. Just, <laughs> you know, this is what we call projecting, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> just wants to see him down at Box Hill. Uh, Cox Hill, thank you very much. Uh, I hope you edit that out, honestly. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, I've left it in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, who 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 am I interested in? Well, I mean, Aiden has anticipated that those two in particular would take our fancy. Branda, yeah, I'm interested. Beyond those guys, I'm not bothered. <laughs> I just I looked at some of the bigger names out there that have been delisted, and I don't know, maybe Gibbons or Nash, but yeah, I'm I'm not too bothered. I wouldn't I wouldn't lose sleep over not getting those guys. Like we said before, there's a lot of diamonds in the rough out there, and uh, I think people, are, the clubs, are prepared to give other kids a chance before they look at these delisted guys. Next question, Bazina. Sound like I'm on your favourite sitcom, Tiz. Uh, do you believe we are headed towards dangerous territory of being good but not good enough due to the lack of top end talent and another lack of top end young guns coming through? Well, that is the danger, isn't it? Of the of the position that we're in on the ladder, uh, I guess it is, but I don't think um, Sam's too interested in playing AFL. He's more interested in playing finals in, and then winning a premiership. We're not here to play AFL. It's not like Carlton or a couple of other mods. We are spinning the wheel. We're taking risks. We're um, changing the game plan. We're moving away from what worked in the past and. Uh, Trying to redevelop it and meet the modern game head on, Nick. I don't see... I, I just think the standards at Hawthorne have to be raised off-field and on-field. And uh, I think Sammy needs to push that, and I think he'll push that pretty bloody hard, to be quite honest. Well, now's the time to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And um, who knows? Who knows if it comes off? We'll only know in a few years' time, won't we? So, I don't know. That's it's an impossible question for mine. I know what we hope for, but we've seen other teams try and they don't get off the canvas for a while. Uh, doesn't have to be that way with us, but who knows? You only receive what you accept. Which Western philosopher was that? No idea. Okay, good. Uh, last question here from Al. Playing the numbers game. The, the classic end of year question, who gets the jumper numbers that are free? 9, 13, 18, 23, 24, 25, 27, 30, 31, and 33. Now, Nick, you did all the projections here. So 9 with Newcomb. I was like, oh, my goodness. It's never going to be not controversial, whoever gets the number 9. I mean, what the shoes to fill are enormous. Incredibly large. Yeah. Dipper, Croft, Burgoyne. What are you doing? This this is too much pressure on the kid. It just sounds good. Number nine, Jai Newcomb. Okay, now do it for number 13. <laughs> number 13, Denver Granger Barras. <laughs> I hope he gets a better number than 13. I want to I give him 24. That was your number in the junior days? Yes, it was. You were watching me, were you, back then? That's, uh, that's nice. <laughs> uh, Segler's old number goes to Reeves. Uh, 23, the idolised number 23. Everyone has one of these in the cupboard at home. You've said... Emerson Jecker. Get on board the Jecker Express. It's leaving the station. And he didn't make you 22. <laughs> um, <now. laughs> oh, knew that would come back to bite me. So you're given 24 to Callow in this case, um, which is interesting. If he does get that, that would mean he's probably behind the ball. 
25 to Lynch. And then Connor Downey goes up to 27. Seamus Mitchell receives a 30. Saunders, 31, 33 to Brockman, which is kind of nice. I like that. That was the easiest one of the lot. Brockman to 33. Uh, a, a lively forward with X Factor wearing the number 33. Yeah, I want that again at Hawthorne. And I know we had a chance with Matt Walker. Obviously, he didn't debut, but Tyler Brockman is a good fit for this number. I can't wait. Yeah, I don't know that Seamus Mitchell or Saunders will get a number change. I just think they'll remain in that for a bit longer. And then you've got a whole lot of numbers for the uh, draftees, which is something I'm looking forward to. You know, imagine if we picked up a draftee and immediately gave him the number nine, Nick. Immediately gave him the number nine. <laughs> You're talking about too much pressure on a kid. How's that? That is ridiculous. <laughs> well, uh, that's the next stop for the Hawk Talk podcast is the uh, the national draft. The pre-draft and the after-draft. It's good fun. I love this part. They're all good stories. Um, and Hawthorne are going to have some top talent entering the club. Another enjoyable off-season rolls on. Now, uh, before we wrap up, just some social media stuff here. If you enjoy what we do, we'd really appreciate it if you spread the word with a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps to put the word out there about the show, helps other Hawkers find us, so jump on there and do that. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at HawkTalkPod. Lots of fun over the off-season, keeping the conversation going. It's going to be buzzing as we do approach the draft, as we said, so jump on and join the community there. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. Join our Facebook family at facebook.com slash hawktalkpod. And we're on Instagram. I want to give a shout out to uh, a youngster named Chase, who's got to be among the youngest listeners of the podcast. So g'day, Chase. Great to have you aboard. Uh, we have some merch on Redbubble as well. And Patreon is the big one, Tiz. That's the place to go to if you want to get on board with us and support the show and the content we create. If you haven't heard our player gradings yet, get on it because it's a bonus one hour, 20 minute extravaganza exclusive to our subscribers, Tiz. Yeah, that was good fun. And uh, now every now and again, we go and put together a musical number, don't we, Nick? We haven't done one in a while, but there is one that we've had in the archives for a while, just sort of sitting there waiting for the moment and it looks like the moment has passed, but... Honestly, I think now is as bad a time as any, Nick. You really want the Ollie Hanrahan song, don't you? I mean, we need to give a little bit more just to sweeten the pot for our subscribers, I think. Don't don't you reckon? And what I have in mind is the fact that uh, you got it delivered, I got it delivered. It's the uh, Sean Burgoyne book. That's arrived. Oh, yeah. No. uh, Flipped through the back immediately, read the last chapter. Just... um Probably wrecked the ending, to be honest, but, uh, you know, you've got to find out how it ends. So what I propose is that we do a super indulgent silk celebratory special, Tiz. Is that after the AGM? <laughs> <laughs> look, it'll be a bonus episode at some point, so that's something to look forward to. And uh, for that, for the uh, player gradings episode, for all of our bonus content, you can jump on at patreon.com slash Pod and support the show and really make a difference. Help us to create the content that you love. So, as we emerge out of lockdown, Nick, I'm going to be uh, nestled at home reading a book. <laughs> That's right. You, you got the Sean Burgoyne book that we mentioned. You got all that you need at home, so why head out? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you can all wait a little bit longer to meet me, fellas. It's all good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, it's the haircut, mate. I just don't want to launch into freedom with, uh, sorry, into freedoms uh, with with this haircut, you, you confess to me. Now this is getting a little bit behind the scenes, but you confess to me that you've got a Sean Marker's esque top knot going. Not today, but yes, I have had the top knot going, and uh, to be quite honest, I have been insufferable. 
to myself. I've told you to stop looking in the mirror. And that was years ago I gave you that advice. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that'll do us on that parting shot. That was a little bit mean of me, wasn't it? It was a little bit, but the the pince-nez, the golden pince-nez that I've ordered off eBay will complete the look, let me tell you. Look forward to that. (laughs) That'll be it for another episode of the Hawk Talk podcast. We'll be back with uh, all sorts of draft coverage. Look forward to that. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.